Fuel, the podcast for fixing underperformance and evolving leadership within the automotive industry. Fuel is bringing you the latest in proven strategies and techniques that can take your service department to the next level. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Fuel Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Keith, and today I've got Mr. Yaz Beganovic. You got it. Hey, Thank you look at me. that. <laughs> Beautiful. He's with the Sioka Group, and I think um, you've, how, how long have you been with the Sioka Group now? Uh, this is my 13th year. Wow, 13 years. Huh? They must be treating you right to stay around that long, huh? I love it here. Absolutely. <laughs> so I'm excited to talk to you today, especially about um, some of the conversation we were having earlier dealing with CSI, because you've been around the block as far as being in the service department, being with that fixed ops background. I see that you sent me, uh, you were at the parts counter for a time. How'd, how'd you ever get off the parts counter? Why would you ever do that? Everybody loves parts counter, right? Yeah, you know, well, I started my career uh, pretty much as an internal advisor with some fixed ops background, and I dabbled in the parts. And I always say <laughs> that, and it was more so just for me to learn it, um, to, to understand it better, and really understand what the countermen and women go through on a daily basis, and you know their struggle, just like service advisors have struggles, BDC agents, technicians, and so forth. So I dabbled in parts just to get a better understanding more than anything uh, early on in the in my career. Um, and then obviously, you know, I, I, I went through the internal advisor, lead customer pay advisor, things like that. And, and that was a few years worth to really chew on, to understand. And then I became a uh, service manager of a smaller store that we have. Then I became a service manager of a bigger store, uh, one of our Honda stores. Um, and I'm, I'm going through 10 years worth here, uh, <laughs> realistically. Before, Day one. <laughs> before, yeah, before we got to... To this point, to this level. That's fantastic. Well, I mean, it's like the reason I bring up the parts counter thing is because there's not many fixed ops guys who who get a chance to get around everywhere in the parts or in the departments, sitting on the counter for a while and having that background, dealing with the internal used cars and stuff. I mean, I can remember going to the to the uh, general manager or going to the used car manager all the time and saying, hey, this is what the vehicle needs. And then trying to mark off, just make it past inspection, man. And I'm like, no, we're not doing that okay this is this it's not going to go through the shop unless it has this stuff and then you have that kind of that little bit of a battle but then it also is fun because you know you, you're able to help customers and, and be able to take care of vehicles and then the exactly they're, they're able to sell a really good product and not have to deal with a comeback or a buyback and um so that but i but it is a different environment where the small courtesy things that you don't think about in the service side play over into some areas like when you come up and just throw parts on the counter don't throw them on the counter you know, just sure. place them on the counter, like in this little cell. So I think it's very uh, important that you have been in a lot of different aspects of the department. Uh, what was your, um, as you were coming through, what was one of, one like, you got to have like one of those memorable moments or one of those memorable stories is either coming in as an internal advisor or as, as you start to become a service manager for the first time. Um, you know, when I first started, uh, I'm going to date myself here too a little bit, but um, it was clipboards, you know, no iPads, things like that. Yeah. Um, and just regular paper sheets. But for me, uh, the, the biggest wow thing for me in the beginning, um, I went to Temple University and I worked for an independent uh, while I was a student. And then coming into a dealership, um, the professionalism difference be between the volume uh, of the cars in the shop and 
actually doing everything to the cars properly. Mm -hmm. uh, here, you know, here at the Sioka Group, we have a really good understanding of the general manager, service manager, parts manager, like really getting along. And you can throw in the used car manager there as well. We all understand that we have to provide a good product for the customer, whether that's service or sales. We know that that car has to be in the best possible condition. And obviously I'm referring to used and pre-owned here that it can be when it goes on the lot. So fortunately with us, we don't have, um, we have really good teamwork. We don't have like that, you know, you got to make a deal and cut the costs and don't do the used car this way. We we do our best to really put all the right parts on the car, get them out in a timely fashion. But for me, first starting off, I was just overwhelmed with the volume of uh, how many used cars. And again, I'm dating myself, it's 2011. <laughs> But uh, just how many cars go through the shop to be ready for the lot? So not talking customer, not talking warranty. Um, I've never seen anything like that before. So, yeah, being an internal advisor, I actually enjoyed the position. I know it's a very difficult position. I enjoyed it because I, I took the time to learn CDK and how the business. You can learn a lot from that role as far as how the rest of the department functions. Um, you can practice, you know, your sales <laughs> with the used car manager. Yeah, that's you know, right in front of customers, things like that. But just the sheer volume going through was like, it, it would, that wowed me it was starting off. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's a little bit different mindset because you do have like a, a, a turnaround time. Like, and, yeah. and you've got to be able yeah. to turn these vehicles around. We've got to get them on the lot and things like that. I remember we, we used to have a couple of issues um, when we would just get over, over kind of overwhelmed in the shop with, with customer cars, we didn't have a set used car department at that time. So it was like, you know, why aren't you, I need this car. And they're like, well, I got pulled off to do this customer pay. That's a waiter and things like that. So there was a, you can learn a lot as far as, you know, how it can be overcoming or whenever they want to buy parts off of eBay and stuff like that and deal yeah, with absolutely. it that way. But what I liked is, is you said that you're, you're putting out a quality product for your customers. So it, it sounds like the mindset that you guys really have because of the cohesiveness of your store and what you guys do together, putting out that product probably helps you guys with CSI, what I guess. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we have other items as well. We have uh, three, we have our own three year 36 warranty when you oh, wow. purchase yeah. parts from us, whether it's aftermarket or factory. Um, and, you know, customer retention is huge. Units in operation are huge. We have a collision deductible um, that, you know, we honor. We have so many features for our customers to um, have the best experience possible, you know. And when we put these cars out, yeah, like we said, it's just uh, even if something happens out the blue, uh, I think we do a really good job as a team getting together and just, you know, we have to do the right thing. So, yeah, with CSI, overall, as a group, we're doing unbelievable. And I say that, thankfully, obviously, because it's a team effort mm -hmm. at the end of the day. Um, but, yeah, we all we all treat it very, very seriously because that customer experience is, I mean, it's the most important thing. Absolutely. I mean, and I love how you say customer experience. That really has been been taken away. I think since about 2008 or so, when we got hit real bad with, with the market and everything, and then the, the media started to really hammer down on dealerships and what they did. So the fact that, that you guys are taking the forefront of the customer experience, it's not just about pricing. It's not just about discounting. It's about the experience that they get to. Now, 
in your in your in your travels, right? Of getting to where you're at now, what are some of the experiences that you that you have understood and, and being able to take into the role you have now to help with this CSI? That's a great question. You know, uh, we have 43 stores at the moment and counting. Um, so we have uh, you know, everywhere from State College, Pennsylvania to Atlantic City, New Jersey, you know, for the moment. Um, I firmly, firmly believe in going to the stores. I, I have an office, sure, um, and everybody needs an office day, don't get me wrong. But fortunately for us, we have regions and we have directors in each region. And uh, I, I work with the directors, um, you know, firsthand. You learn a lot by going to each store. And don't forget, you know, we have 25 brands. So we have multiple Chevrolet stores, multiple Volkswagen stores, multiple Mercedes stores and so forth. So it's a really good way to compare if this store is doing it right, or maybe this store is struggling with the why you, you always want to figure out the why mm-hmm. uh, we have our own service book of expectations that uh, I put together and it's just best. It's nothing I invented. It's just best practices from other um, manufacturers from other groups and, and, and brands uh, that basically just put together our own little version of what to do from start to finish in our service department, from open to close. And the whole goal of that book really is to, if you see a process evaporated or something's not going properly, is to open up to a page in that book and point out the process that's evaporated because it's hour by hour of what we should be doing because it's fixed operations, right? We have to do the same <laughs> thing every day to our best ability. Um, but, you know, for me, I'd say definitely visiting all the stores is what opens up the juices flowing for me, you, you getting to talk to the advisors, not just the service managers, parts managers, but making that small talk with the advisors, technicians, and watching the process, guarding the process, make sure it's being done in a, you know, joyful way, obviously. <laughs> and, uh, you know, because you got to go to work to have fun. It, it can't be like a drill sergeant kind of mentality. We have to enjoy what we do. Um, but I, I would say definitely visiting the stores is is the main key for that. So that so you you have forty three. You said forty three. Forty three uh, at the moment, right now, yes. So what do you just? How do you how do you visit all those stores? Do you visit them all in one month, or how do you how do you do that? So you know, when I first started, we had seven rooftops. Oh wow! And we've grown since then, and we're still growing. Wow! And we have so we have four regions. And each region has a fixed operations director. Mm-hmm. And we have a global parts director. Um, we also have our own in-house warranty. So I report with the directors. I have them um, report with me as far each director has eight to 10 stores per region. Mm-hmm. And I deal with them directly and the parts manager to kind of get a good um, pulse on things as to how, how they're going. So I'll meet them at the stores for the most part. Um and that's how I, you know, it, it's a team effort at the end of the day is for me to be able to put my hands on all the stores and visit them physically. That's not possible. Uh, <laughs> so it's definitely through my team. So, I mean, do you, do you ever get a chance to kind of get down there in the lane and then kind of see some interactions with the Absolutely. customer to your advisors? How, how does that go? I mean, so you had your experiences, you know, you said you were an internal advisor, but then you became a manager at one of the smaller stores. How did those those initial engagement, you know, when you were talking to customers and you started to manage, you started to see, okay, this, this is where we need to go. This is where we need to put our focus. Have you taken anything that you learned then? And it's, is it still a consistent practice? Till this day, 
Absolutely. I'm at a store right now. Um, obviously, you know, we're winding the day down here, but the literally before this started, I was down in the drive and they were doing their uh, SDL review and I was watching the two cars that were pulling in and not like in like a drill sergeant way. You, you got to be able, again, to connect with people where they're not like afraid, but, you know, they also know what the expectations are. And we just coach live. If we if I see something or the directors uh, in each region see something off, you know, we, we coach live, not punish, not anything like that. Just, hey, you know, let me talk to you about what I just saw. And it's a very straightforward conversation, you know. But as far as me being an advisor, being a manager, I'll tell you that till this day, what sticks, um, we we do, I think, as a company, we do an unbelievable job with the leadership that we have as far as being good coaches. And what I mean by that is it's not easy to get a customer in front of you and do a walk, a proper walk around and menu presentation like that. Like right. it just doesn't happen. It, no. It's I remember my first time I, <laughs> you're like, Oh, this is easy. I got this. And then you go do it. And I had the menu in front of me and I was like, I, I, I so today you're, um, you know, people are today junior. <laughs> yeah, it's not right. Like it's not easy. So you really have to coach the people on like, it's okay. Here, here's how to do it. And you have to do it live. You have to be the one showing the example. You can't just say, this is what I want. You got to be out there and show them. And we're, we're having a very similar scenario now um, with video multipoints mm -hmm. and showing the technicians. And we're very blessed to have a corporate trainer globally who is very good at what he does. Um, and, you know, he helps us tremendously um, teaching our processes, that book of expectations, video multi-points, our black and whites, things like that. Because as we grow, we you know, we're thinking like that 40 plus rooftop company and, and, and how we function. But that's no different than when I started in that process of those seven, eight, nine, 10 stores when they were growing. It's it, You always have to protect your culture. So mm -hmm. if you had the culture, Mr. Shilk had the culture with the one store that he started and spread it into multiple stores and that, you know, bled into us. And it's our responsibility to keep that culture growing because th that's what fuels the success. We we want every customer to have the same experience, meaning they can have a Mercedes, they can have a Hyundai, they can have a Toyota, you name it. Um, but they should still get the same experience when they walk in with their walkarounds and presentations, video multi-points and active deliveries. They should still have that same experience where, you know, sometimes they'll trade that car in and get a different brand. They should just, mm -hmm. they should want to go to any one of our locations because of the good experience they're having. See, that is so cool how, first off, the term I loved you just used, protecting the culture. Yeah, it's protecting the culture because it's 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 a living thing. It's constantly evolving, and to protect that culture and that mindset, I think it's paramount. And I love how you said that. But I also love the fact that your mentality, it sounds like, is it doesn't matter what location you're at. Our culture is taking care of the customers, taking care of the customer experience. How mm -hmm. I mean, so it couldn't have been an easy, I wouldn't say overhaul, but how about implementing? that culture and then and then how did you implement it to understand csi and retain csi better it's a it's a process for sure it usually takes months um it's going to start off with the team and the leadership it's going to it's going to start off with the work ethic in the service manager and the service advisors the parts manager counterman um you got to start there 
when people have a good work ethic, it's very easy at that point. Um, I shouldn't say easy. It's uh, manageable. It, it goes smoother. Um, <laughs> When, when you want to explain what, you know, our culture, what, who we are, what we represent, what our mission goal is, we have a mission goal, you know, for the, with the company um, that goes into that customer experience and a mission statement, I mean, sorry. Um, and, you know, going into like the expansion mode, it's again, that team effort of every single one of those directors, for example, and myself, and, and we have vice presidents too on the sales side. We were all in the stores. We were all advisors. We were all sales. All of us have been with the company 10, 15 years now. And we know what it was like to guard that process every day. So we know what our expectations are if we walk into any other Sioka store of how it should be. The employees for us come first. If we treat our employees right, the employees are going to treat the customers right. And if we treat the customers right, our third uh, point is our manufacturer. We got to have a good manufacturer relationship. So if we do those three things right in that order, we're going to have some success. And we truly believe in that. Uh, we we walk it every day and walk the walk every day with it. But that's I I would explain that that's how we enter each um, store with protecting our culture and the explanation of the why. That's I, that's beautiful. So what I'm going to try to switch the conversation just a touch because I picked up on something you said, and sure. I'm interested because this has been a really big conversation for me as a Start Smart coach lately with some of my clients. So one of the things protecting the culture, but then you said we got to take care of our employees. So yeah. what I'm what I'm shifting this to is taking care of technicians retaining, holding on to technicians. Cause a lot of my conversations, like when we're talking about effective labor rate and trying to get ready for analysis and things like that is you're paying two hours to do an alignment. You know, we're not using strings guys. You know, we, we need to look right. at the market, you know, we're paying unless it calls for it. Like if it's a special specialty vehicle or something like that, but in a GM store and somewhere where it's pretty, pretty standard practice, especially if you invested in, in a really nice system, a hunter alignment system or something right. like that then it should be around, you know, what the market's telling us from 1.2 to 1.5, even one hour. But I get a lot of people scared to death of even changing from five tenths to replace the battery to three tenths because of technicians. Well, my technicians will revolt. Well, my technicians will walk. So, you know, in, in protecting your culture and in caring about your employees, when you are needing to make these adjustments, how do you retain and keep your technicians on board? You know, as far as the employee side, like the employee satisfaction, that goes for everybody. But, you know, first and foremost, that's every single employee we treat, obviously, the same way with the same respect. Specifically to the technicians and the, the market that we're in, we do a bunch of different things that we feel other um, companies don't like we just ran a competition where we gave red wing boots for video multi points um, in the month of um, September. So that's one way of getting a two, three hundred dollar boot um, just by showing up and, and doing your job. We have dinner uh, service parts and service dinner bashes quarterly mm-hmm. and it's quarterly. We just uh, had our first one two nights ago. Uh, we have three more to go. And what we do is we have a quarterly competition of um, extra incentives for all employees. And it's not really so much of um, 
that's not the main focus. The main focus is getting us together, have a nice big dinner, an award ceremony. It's the best of the best. And we include everybody. It's for technicians. It's for BDC agents. It's for parts countermen. It's for advisors. Um, and it's the best of the best in like a top three tier kind of category. And we've been doing it now solidly over almost two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and when it falls in December, we uh, do uh, a giveaway and we get a bunch of gifts and we give those um, to the employees as well. Good uh, stalking stuffers, things like that. <laughs> um, it, and we get together and we talk and we communicate and, hey, how's your store doing? Well, this is what we're doing here. Because, you know, how many all these rooftops, 40 plus rooftops that we have, these people don't see each other every day that's in other stores. That's right. You yeah. get on an island. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So for them to be able to have dinner together and have a, like an award ceremony, um, they look forward to showing up to the next one. So then when you go <laughs> to the stores and they talk about it, you have other employees going, I'm going to make it to that next one. I'm getting in. <laughs> you know, it's like friendly competition. Um, and, and and I can keep going, obviously, uh, with the technician side of things. We have Fortunately, again, all of the latest and greatest equipment. We have all Hunter equipment. We have all new lifts, air conditioning in every shop, state-of-the-art facilities. I mean, world-class, truly. Um, cleanliness is huge in our organization. We take that very seriously. Um, so I think it goes a long way, too, when somebody shows up to work and they know they have a nice, clean, organized, well-put environment. Their lifts are good. Their tools are good. In the new stores that we're building, we have the toolboxes included. You know, all the little things that matter on the day to day, we try to stay on top of um, and we try to reward them and we try to keep them engaged. We have a company newsletter that goes out to all employees, all customers, and just a monthly recap, whether we're giving coats away to the kids, donating to um, whichever organization that month, because we do a lot of charity work, um, you know, very involved in the community, every location that we're at. Um, it's a, you know, it's a family environment and we just promote it and talk about it a lot. And obviously some store is going to have an idea that another store doesn't have. And that's how the dinner bash has started. It used to be an advisor bonus tracker. Yeah. Every dealership does that. Yep. Like how can we be different? And we, as a company do, it's called a breakfast bash for the variable side. So we're like, ding, ding, like, duh, you know, like, oh, my God, let's do it for <laughs> the service and parts side, too. Um, but that's really cool, though. Yeah, they go. I think they go a long way with with the employees to, to see all those different cool things, the engagement. Everybody has a say, you know, um, <laughs> it's not anything other than a friendly environment. So, I mean, does do you think that makes it easier? Like, if you've got to go into a store and you're talking to these stores and, and you're doing an analysis and um, you're working with Donatron, let's say, and I think you guys sure. had, uh, was it Jason Kiefer was your coach? Yeah. I think it was. Yeah, old Kiefer. Shout out to Jason. My buddy. Yeah, he's he's he, he's my he's yin, to, yin and yang is me and him. Yeah, he's like, awesome. We, we always start joking team. with each other. The, the whole yeah. team. They do it. I mean, we really have a good staff, but it's funny because we have the same situation in some cases. Each individual coach is like a like our own little dealership to an extent. Sure. And then we have these uh we have a summit coming up in, in January and when we all get together, uh, we have a whole lot of fun together. We're able to reconnect, the ideas are flowing. But then the, the number one thing I tell new coaches that come on is you will be put on an island. 
you will get right. on that island and go from there. But so with, with this protecting the culture aspect, right? <laughs> and I love that cleanliness is a big deal for you guys because yeah. my dad, <laughs> my father told me a story. Is he had a, I don't know if he had trouble in the store, but he wanted to make it pretty much an apparent that they're going to have a clean bay before you work on any vehicles. And so he picked up a cone off the side of the road. I don't know if it's officially stolen or not, but it was during the work site. But he picked up a, a cone and he brought it into the to the dealership he was uh, managing at the time. And he would go to the dirtiest bay and put the cone in the bay. And, and people come in and look at this cone. What is what is this cone? What is what's, what's going on? And they come in. Right. What's going on with the cone? Oh, if the cone's in your bay, you don't get no work until you base clean. Right. So, it, right. but, and it went from this, you jerk thing, you know, what are you doing type deal? But it turned into a friendly, pay, playful banner that sure. if, if, if you put, if you came in the next day and the cone was in your bay, that did the technicians were more upset about the other technicians getting on them. Oh, dude, you got coned, you know? Yeah. Like, like, come on, man. What are you doing? Yeah. yeah. So what did you started to see is you started to see guys take care of their stuff a little bit more and started to of change course. the culture aspect of it. And anytime the shop got dirty, the cone didn't need to technically go in the bay, just need to go outside the door. Right. <laughs> so, right. so you built this fantastic, it sounds fantastic, um, environment for your employees. It, when you need to make changes, like mm -hmm. let's say tech time, you know, we're going to adjust tech time from this to this, or we're going to change this type of process. Is it more receptive? Do you have less kickback or do you still see some of the kickback that you maybe saw in your early days as well? You have to approach it in a business meeting mindset, whether it's a technician, whoever it is, you're talking math at the end of the day. Yeah. And you have to explain again the why. So if you're going to if it's something like tech time, you have to explain the reason behind it. And then you also have to I believe you have to have a game plan as to how nobody's going to go backwards, why we're all going to do better. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes it's just adjusting to the uh, market. Um, but like for, if we have to, it, like we'll take our Dynatron reports, for example, and if we're looking at the times and al alignments, we just mentioned that earlier, they've evolved so much with the technology, yes. you know, like, it, like you said, it's not strange anymore. It's so much easier to do an alignment nowadays. Well, you have to, there's the explanation for the why, but what we like to do and we put our best foot forward is we're going to get you more alignment sold. We're going to get you more appointments in the door. Or if we have just an alignment guy. A technician, B technician, we're going to get you more appointments. We're going to get you more work so that you don't not only feel it, but you're actually producing more hours. It's never to hurt the employee. You should never look at it that way. And not that I think anybody does, but if you're just saying, uh, you know, I have to change some time, that's immediately going to be a negative um, connotation. So you have to have a business plan as to what you're going to do to make sure that we actually end up doing better than worse. Yeah, I mean, if you come, I mean, numbers are numbers. And there's another coach that we have. His name's Donnie McLam. He's hilarious. Um, but he says, you know, numbers don't lie, people do. And so yeah. when, when you can go in with the analytical aspect of, you know, this is the why, but this is the result of the why, you know, um, I think that that does bring some merit. But in some of the conversations, I'm trying to empower managers like you're empowered, right? Like you, you've got this plan, you've got this great process and great culture that you've established. But for some of these people who haven't gotten there just yet, when I'm talking to them about, you know, going from five tenths to three tenths on a battery, it's like, they can't do it. Like, like they won't do it because they're scared to death of losing technicians. So yeah. if you were talking to one, let's say you've got one of your managers 
and sure. he's and he's in that mindset. You know, I'm I'm not yeah. wanting to make this change. I'm scared these guys are going to walk, or I can't take an alignment from that to that. They'll the pitchforks and fires fire torches will come out. What would you say to him? How would you coach him up? As we talked about coaching earlier. Well, I'll answer it in two ways. This is where I really have to give my team of directors a lot of credit. Like again, all of us have been here ten plus years, and all of us were advisors at one point for the company, service managers, and so forth. So all of us can relate to that question you just asked. Mm -hmm. So if it was me, um, you know, having to sit down as a younger manager, it's no different than that example of an advisor talking to a customer being scared to death trying to do a proper walk around or a menu presentation. You have to coach it live. I like to do examples live. If I'm going to do something, um, so if a service manager has to talk with a technician and have a difficult conversation, I like to do it. If it's like a newer manager, because mm -hmm. we we believe in promoting from within. So we have a lot of managers in the company that used to be advisors. We have managers in the company that were parts managers are now service managers. We have managers in the company that used to be technicians that are service managers, and they're all doing a great job. But every single one of those, they never had experience being a service manager before. <laughs> yeah. So when something like that comes up and if it's changing tech times or changing a process, whatever, that's a difficult conversation, me or my team, we go and lead by example and do it first. So the manager can see it's coaching. You can't tell somebody, um, hey, we have to do this and they've never done it before and expect you know, like they're going to get it. They're not They're going to crash and burn. It's going to, it might actually be worse. <laughs> you know what I mean? It might end up worse. And, you know, that's where you have to really be dialed in. You have to look at people's profile um, readings and understand that, or make sure you can really understand how to connect with them on their level, that explanation. Um, so we, part of our job is to make sure that we walk the walk. We explain mm -hmm. sometimes physically in person. I think that goes the best way. Um, so like, again, for example, we had video multi-point training with our trainer who did an unbelievable job. He went company-wide when well, I used to have the follow-up afterwards. So we go into the stores and we ask how that training is going. Some do it really well. Some are still nervous. So you yep. focus on the overall and the ones that are nervous, you jump in. Say, let me show you how we do it. But here's what I got out of it. Like a video multi-point, if you think about the importance of it, it, it's, like it's so critical. So you have to coach and explain how to do it because if a customer gets like a really bad video, oh my God, like oh, yeah. <laughs> more damage than not. Yeah. So you go through that whole multi-point and it's like you, like that example will be you explain to them. It's like when you go to the doctor, you don't want to hear all bad news either. Go through the multi-point, talk about all the stuff in the green, talk about how good the car is, talk about everything that's good with it. Yeah. You know, explain everything properly. Slow down when you speak. Here's how, how I would do it. Some people are just nervous to do the camera thing and you have to explain to them. Like, listen, we're all rooting for you. It, like nobody's looking for you. Jimmy. We're all rooting for you. We're all on the same team. I know it's difficult. Let me go first. Let me show you how I would do it. And I think that's come a really long way uh, for us. And, and we're not perfect by no means. I mean, there's always opportunity, but that is how we function. Um I think being in the field and doing all that stuff live, setting the example, uh, you know, of what we expect, I think that helps us the most. That's fantastic. So, I mean, I, but I got to ask, if, if I was still in my store and I introduced this video walk around for my technicians, 
I'm pretty sure I'd have to review a lot of them before I'd have to start sure. releasing them because it's sure. just that, you know, changing that mindset and it wasn't be so bad. I mean, our guys would be very knowledgeable, but they are, you know, how some of them are just very yeah. restricted to the point. And how can you see somebody cussing or saying, well, this is effed up right here. I don't know what this is, but we got to fix this. And I'm, no, you can't say it that yeah. way. So, no, no, you're hundred percent right. You're hundred percent right. So this took us some time. So, yeah. You know, when we first started it, we, we're, we're still not aiming for 100%. We're happy at 80 because we want the quality. But, like, when we first started it, we were going for 40%. Don't do the waiters. Just do the drop-offs. Um, and then it was only, like, the handful of guys that we knew could do it. wasn't everybody. I mean, we started in, with baby steps because we didn't yeah. want to hurt anything. Then the corporate trainer that we have, um, he put together a program. We recorded a video of a proper video multipoint. We cover the importance of it, which there's really two main things. The customer's trust. The customer sees what you're trying to sell and time. Like you're not waiting for voicemails anymore. Like, boom, approved. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. And if we do that properly versus, you know, not in a good way on a video, the cut like I could be, I'm talking to you right now. If I got a video multi-point real quick, I would probably play on mute just to see if I got like or my breaks okay. Like I know what I dropped it off for. <laughs> and if I saw it was something I need my car tonight. You know, it's almost five o'clock. I need my car, whatever. Uh, versus them calling me now and I have to call them tomorrow. I'll get my car tomorrow. You have to explain that. that this is yeah. why we're doing it. This is how you keep the wrenches turning, how you keep the cars on the lifts. Um, and, and most importantly, earn the customer's trust. But we did it in that training facility of this is what a proper video multipoint looks like. Here's why we have to do it. And there's those two reasons. And then guys, give me some objections. Tell me like, it, it's not easy. I know, it's, I know it's, you're not just going to, get in and do it. I mean, and again, it took us probably two years um, to get it right. And we're still learning. We're still not perfect. We've just come a long way with it. Yeah. Uh, but we're honest. We're honest. And whatever our, wherever our opportunity is, we, we focus on that because we just want to see progress every month. We want to learn and just do better and better. That's our mindset. That's fantastic, man. That is, that sounds like a very good environment to work in. You know, and, that, and that's it's something really that we promote at Dynatron too. That's one of the things I can say about this is, is like, I don't, I, I don't want to really, I wouldn't want to go back because the, yeah. the level of uh, camaraderie we have as coaches and, and being able to talk to people like you and then kind of back and forth is, is, is just basically priceless. So, yeah. I mean, like if, if, if you were going to, if you were going to redo any of this, is there anything you would change? from the process that you've implemented already and like how you, the process of getting these videos in or the process of your, you know, understanding your, your culture for CSI for your employees. Is there anything you would change? I'll put it this way. Um, you asked me something earlier. I do want to, cause it's about like our process and how, versus like when I started, um, you know, Mr. Sioka's vision, it's, it starts there. And I have to make sure that I deliver his process his vision the best way possible to the stores so years ago when i started i mentioned we had clipboards yeah paper walk around <laughs> and you had a paper carbon copy multi-point my job is to keep up with the times and be efficient right besides guarding our process my job is to keep up with the times we always had the best practices we always had the best process i'd say the most important role i did um, that I took responsibility for was keeping it modern. Keeping it modern. Like we jumped on iPads immediately. 
when they came out. We threw those clipboards out as fast as humanly possible. <laughs> we jumped on texting the moment it was available. Video multipoints, um, the drive-through hunter um, alignment and tire checking machine. Oh, yeah, those things are cool. All of this technology, Dynatron, all of this how to make your life easier, work smarter, not harder, efficiency, proficiency. We jumped on all of that. So as far as our process goes, our process is pretty much the same. We have four black and whites of how every repair order is written. It's just modernized. We're a tech company. So there's technology involved in it. We keep up with what's, you know, 2024. Um, I would say that's been the main ingredient because the process is solid. Fixed operations is fixed operations. Yeah. You have a certain amount you got to put up every day and best practices in how doing so. Well, times change. <laughs> you got to keep up with them. So if we stayed, for example, the same way and we still had clipboards and didn't do texting and just did, oh, I can't imagine where we would be right now, you know? And I think it would be drastic. So I, I would give a lot of credit to that mm -hmm. is just keeping up with the times, working with the best partners. Um, you know, our partners and just making sure that we should really just stay on top of it. That's fantastic. So the question I asked you earlier was, is there any practice that you learned that you, that you, that you brought with you that you still do? Yeah. So what we basically, um, when, so when I started, um, and, and, and if I would go back and change some stuff, I would have done the video multi-points just a little bit fat. Um, I would have done it at the same time we did texting. We did texting about a year before. Yeah. And this was like 2019-ish. Mm -hmm. um, but when I first started, I put that book of expectations together to ease the use of or ease the day of new first-time managers. Sure, mm -hmm. seasoned managers will look at it and go, okay, I understand this is the company's expectations. But um, putting those practices together, um, I'd say that was definitely beneficial to a growing company because when you can show up with a, you know, book of here's how we operate and it's, you know, not that big um, and it's self-explanatory, I think that goes a long way. Um, I think that helped probably the most because it like, simplified the expectation like here's our expectations literally this is what you need to do from when you clock in until when you clock out and anywhere throughout 8 9 10 1 2 3 p.m anything you're struggling in between these processes we'll work on together and but this is how we put up the gross this is how we have a very efficient day um the the, the one thing i would definitely change is i would have done those video multi points faster i mm -hmm. The technology was kind of out. I, like when the video multi points came out, I wanted to be the first so bad. <laughs> I, I, I definitely can say confidently we were one of the first, but I, I wish I jumped on it when we did the texting as well. That's cool, man. That's, that's so, it, I mean, especially for the onboarding that you do internally, or not onboarding internally, but promoting with in, internally, having mm -hmm. a book like that, uh, that's, yeah, that's a great idea that I might steal for the start smart coaches. But hey. <laughs> It's best practices. It's you know? best practices. Love it. Well, yes, yeah, man. Yes, I, I can't thank you enough for your time today. Um, as we come to the close of the of the podcast, I always like to leave my guests with the the final thought or the final say. Is there any any final thoughts or any final says you want to put out there? Yeah, you know, uh, first of all, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Um, I just say, you know, to anybody watching, listening, 
Um, I say you always want to make sure that in any managerial or director role that you have, you know, in this business, I think the most important thing is obviously to put the people first. We cover that. But you really want to get to know their why. Why did they become a service advisor? Why did they become a service manager? Why do they want to be a service director? Why do they want to be a part of me? Understand their why and explain it through whatever organization you're with. Every organization has their own culture, their own practices, um, their own mission statement, base statement, um, their own their own ways of doing business. You always want to make sure that you can explain the company's culture to that employee so it makes sense for them to understand their why. Like my why, for example, was to make sure that the customer has such a good experience that, and I'm going back when I was an advisor, mm -hmm. that they cannot wait to come back and talk to me next time because who likes going in and uh, servicing their car? They're usually upset. It's so like going to the dentist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so like Saturday specifically when I would go in, I had my regular customers mm -hmm. and they were cool coming in, man. Like they knew they could come in, we could chat. Um, and we kind of picked up what we left off at on that multi-point, whether they were in the yellow and the green, it's just total transparency. My why was that customer experience. And that led to the CSI, which was my report card. If I did that right, I'm pretty sure I could do the rest pretty, you know, in a smooth fashion. So I, I would leave it at that. Understand the employees why I think that's most critical. That's fantastic. Well, yeah, as again, this is going to conclude our episode of the fuel podcast, but I can't thank you enough, man. I really enjoyed uh, our time today. Hopefully you come back on, right? I would love to come back on. Thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure being on here. Awesome. All right. I'll conclude our episode. And yes, thanks again, brother. We'll talk to you soon. Appreciate it. Take care. Thank you. Thank you for joining another episode of the Fuel Podcast. Always be sure to like, follow, or subscribe to be notified when new episodes are being dropped. And click the link below to review any of the show notes for additional information. Or you can email the Fuel Podcast with the link as we encourage any feedback or any questions or comments from our listeners. Until next time, I'm your host, Alex Keith, with the Fuel Podcast for fixing underperformance and evolving leadership.